Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Come on, are y'all excited about being at church tonight? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Come on, are y'all excited about being at church tonight? Yeah, didn't didn't the worship team do an awesome job? Man, I love that song, uh, the anthem. I don't know, Pastor Cody and, and I, our offices are literally right across, uh, across the way from each other, and I have been playing that song all week. So I'm, I'm wondering if that kind of had something to play in it, but <laughs> it's like I just kind of influenced them a little bit. You know, so if there's a song that you want, you know, the worship team to do, just play it around Pastor Cody so he can hear it and... Uh, it may not work. I'm just kind of putting that up there. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here tonight. Tonight, that song, again, is an amazing song. Death could not hold Jesus down. And I love the fact that Pastor Cody mentioned that because death couldn't hold Jesus down, death can't hold you down either. And it may not be a physical death, but it could be a physical death, or not a physical death, a, an emotional death. A, you know, a death in your relationship, in your finances, or any, anything like that, you have to remember and realize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives on the inside of you. And that same power raised Lazarus from the dead, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. Anybody heard the story about Lazarus? It's a great, great, great story. Before we get into that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people today. I thank you, Father, that as I open my mouth, you will fill it with words of life, that my tongue is as the pen of a ready writer, ready to speak life, write life into the lives of those that are here tonight. Father, you are going to do a miracle this evening. You are going to do something this evening. You're going to change a life. You're going to change a marriage. You're going to change the course of someone's path tonight from the word that you're going to speak. I thank you so much that your anointing is in this place. Your spirit is in this place. And you have opened up the hearts of those that are here. You have opened up the ears of those that are here. And they're going to hear exactly what you have to say to them specifically tonight. Thank you so much again for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. 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 Talking about Lazarus tonight. And you know the story. Most of you may know the story. And if you don't, I encourage you to go back and read John chapter 11. Also, John chapter 12 is really good. Um, It talks about that story. If you need notes, um, if you didn't receive notes and you would like to have some this evening, go ahead and lift your hand. The ushers are in the aisles and they'll get those to you. But if you are, uh, if you know the story of Lazarus, then you uh, are familiar with, you know, what kind of took place in Lazarus' life. Lazarus got sick in the beginning of chapter 11. And then ultimately, Lazarus died. Now, I've heard many people speak from this particular uh, passage of scripture. And there's so much um, in that passage. And one of the amazing things that I love about God 
is that God is so big and his, his, with his infinite wisdom and his knowledge is so vast that you can read a passage of scripture, I can read a passage, and you can read a passage, and you can read a passage, and we'll all get something completely different. And then you can read the same passage a week from now and, you'll, and God will speak something completely different than he spoke to you the first time. Because he's just that good. And so, if whatever I speak tonight from this particular passage, it's not the end all be all. It's just the, uh, it's just the revelation that the Father gave to me. So you may see something completely different and that's awesome and that's amazing. But I've heard, again, you know, people speak from this, you know, from many different angles about the fact that Lazarus was dead and then he was brought back to life. And you hear people talk about how Jesus, you know, stood before the tomb. He spoke and said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, Lazarus comes walking out. And they use that angle about something that may be dead in your life. And that may be true in, in you today. There may be something dead on the inside of you. There may be, uh, your relationship may be dead. Your, your marriage may be dying. Something on the inside of you may be dying. And Jesus is standing at, that, at the tomb, at the door of your life, and he's calling out, he's speaking to that dead thing and saying, come out, come back to life. Do you know that it's possible to be alive on the outside but dead on the inside. It's possible to be alive, living, floating through life, merely just existing, but dead on the inside. We see it all the time. In fact, that's why it's so important, I'm gonna take a little bunny trail here for my message. That's why it's so important that we, when we hit this, this in this season that we're in now, this is our fall harvest season, it is so important for us, for you, as believers, as children of God, to recognize the power of this season. Because there are people that are dead, that are dying, and don't even realize that they're dead. Don't even realize that they're dying. Anybody remember the movie Sixth Sense? Now, I mean, it's 10, 15 plus years old. It was one of, I, I love that movie. If you haven't seen it, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to say go back and, and watch it because I haven't. It's been a long time since I've seen it. There may be something in there you may not. <laughs> but I loved the plot of that movie. And in the movie, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it for you for the sake of uh, for my message tonight. If you've seen that movie, you know there was a little boy in the movie and he had this ability, this gift to see dead people. And he was talking to Bruce Willis, and I believe Bruce Willis was the therapist or something in the movie. And he was talking to him about these dead people that he saw. And he was able to talk to them, and they were able to talk back to him, but nobody else could see him but him. Nobody else could hear him but him. And he was telling Bruce Willis about these, you know, these dead people that he sees, and they don't even realize that they're dead. And then you get all the way to the end of the movie, and you find out that Bruce Willis was dead too. So this entire movie, he didn't even realize he was dead. He thought he was helping the boy, but he was dead too. That's what we see in society today. People are walking around through life and don't even realize that they're dead. 
They believe that they're alive, they're winning. Listen, I just got a promotion, I'm making some good money, six figures, I got the house, I got the car, I am winning in life. If you don't have Jesus, you're dying. Plain and simple. So it's important for us because we are like that little boy, we see dead people. We see dead people in Walmart and H-E-B, <laughs> the gas station. Some of us in our own homes. It's true. And it's our responsibility to help those that are dead to recognize that they are dead and that they need a savior. And that Jesus is standing at the door of their life. And listen, if you're here and you're dead tonight, you're gonna have an opportunity before we end this service. And in fact, God is so awesome, you can do it right now. So, talking about Lazarus again tonight, let's start in John chapter 11. Stare at the top of your notes, verse one through four. It says in verse one, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Anybody remember that story? Woman with the alabaster box. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, underline underline that, sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. And I love, I'm gonna take a pause right here. Hit the pause button. I love how they acknowledge uh, Lazarus in this particular passage. They don't say Lazarus is sick. They say, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus automatically knew who it was. It's just like how John, in the book of John, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The other disciples didn't call him that, he called himself that. The disciple whom Jesus loved. And I wanna encourage you. Now I'm not, this, I actually had to switch the title of my message, the title was actually gonna be I'm God's favorite, but I kinda switched the title. But this point still remains in the sense that you can encourage yourself and say that I am God's favorite child. Now, some may say that, well, God doesn't show favoritism, that's what the word says. You are absolutely correct. Because if you look at the definition of the word favoritism, it means to show one person preference over another. God doesn't do that. God can give you all of his love and me all of his love at the very same time. Woo! So when you hit a trouble point in your life and you feel like you are alone, encourage yourself and say, I'm God's favorite child. I don't have to deal with this sickness. I'm his favorite child. I don't have to, to deal with my marriage being destroyed. I'm his favorite child. I don't have to deal with not having enough because I'm God's favorite child. Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse four, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. When he heard this, Jesus panicked just like they did and said, oh, disciples, we gotta hurry up, we gotta get down here, we gotta get Lazarus up, he's sick, I gotta lay hands on him so that he can get well, we gotta get him up, we gotta get him up. Is that what this, the scripture said Jesus did? Jesus said, no, this sickness is not 
ending in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, some will read that passage of scripture and they will say, well, Jesus put that sickness on him so that he can go down there and get him and and raise him up. And that is absolutely false. That is absolutely incorrect. Some may, you may have heard it before you came here, because I know you don't hear it here at Tree of Life, but you may have heard it somewhere else at the church in another state. We won't say down the street or anything like that, but in another state somewhere, because we love the churches in our community. But you may have heard somewhere else where they say, you know, you may have a sickness on you and Jesus put that on you, God put that on you because he's trying to teach you something. He's trying to teach you how to trust him. Let me stand as an attorney for my father and say that that's not my dad. My dad doesn't put sickness on somebody to try to teach you how to trust him, to try to teach you how to have faith in him. How ignorant does that seem, does that sound? I love my kids, my two kids, Laurie and DJ. I love them with everything that I have. Now, I'm not the best dad. I know I make mistakes. I know I don't dot every I and I don't cross every single T, but I know one thing, that I don't want to see my kids sick. That when my kids are sick, I would wish that I was sick in their place. It hurts my heart. How much more our Father in heaven? But the good thing about God is, he doesn't put sickness on you, but he will use that sickness to get glory out of it. He will use a storm that you're going through in life to get glory out of it. He doesn't put you in the storm because sometimes if we be honest, we put ourselves in some storms because of our own decisions, because of our own uh, uh, um, uh, decisions. I said decisions already. Who said that again? Making me repeat myself. We put ourselves in these positions. But God will use our storms to get glory out of it. So when he heard this, and I asked you to underline the part in verse three where it says that the the sister sent word to Jesus. Now Jesus was in their vicinity, if you will. He was there physically with them. So we can't send word to Jesus physically, but there is a way that we can get word to Jesus, which is uh, point one there in your notes. Reach out to Jesus. How do we reach out to Jesus? Prayer. Letter A, sometimes situations will enter your life that are much bigger than your capacity to handle. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Where we mess up is we try to put our hands in the middle of it. You know what, I'm just gonna fix this thing myself. If you could have fixed it, it would have been fixed already. Now you just jacked it up even more. (laughs) Take it to the Lord in prayer. He can fix it so much better than you can. Let her be. When you pray, I love this, remember that you aren't telling God something that he doesn't already know. And I think sometimes we feel like we're surprising God. Hey, hey God, guess what? I got some bills that are due. 
hey, father, did, did you hear what the doctor said? Look, guess what the doctor told me? Listen, he already knows. The scripture says that he knows what you need before you ask him for it. He already knows what you have need of. He already knows what you're facing in life. He already knows what you're dealing with, but he still wants you to come to him in prayer. Well, that doesn't make sense. If he already knows that I need it, then why do I have to ask him? Well, think about the worship. He doesn't need our worship. Did you know that? He created angels that all they do is worship him all the time. He doesn't need our worship. God desires it. He wants our worship, but he put an innate desire on the inside of us to want to worship him too. Those angels up there, they're kind of like forced to do it. (laughs) But he gave us the decision and he wants us to want to worship him. He wants us to come to him and ask for his help. He already knows you need it, but he wants to hear you ask for it. Remember this, being a Christian does not mean that you are exempt from storms, but know that in every storm, God has purpose wrapped up in it. Some people think that once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you're not gonna have another problem, another day in your life, wrong. In fact, the enemy's gonna come at you even more. (laughs) How about that one? But the great thing is, you've already overcome. You don't have to fight. He's already fought the battle for you. All you gotta do is recognize it and stand in your authority and put the enemy in his place, which is underneath your feet. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're exempt from storms, but know that in every storm, God has purpose wrapped up in it. Do y'all remember the story? And I believe it's, I think it's in Matthew. And and you theologians, if I'm wrong, it's okay. You know, come up to me after service and say, hey, you quoted that wrong. Do you believe that actually happens? (laughs) People, uh, that's happened to me a couple of times. Like, "Uh, you quoted that scripture wrong. I'm sorry. I hope it wasn't anybody in here. Let me look. (laughs) But you remember the scripture, and I think it was in Matthew. It was after Jesus and the disciples, they feed the 5,000. And then it says that Jesus sent the the disciples in the boat across the water. And then he goes up on the mountain to pray. And while the disciples are out on the water, there's a storm that comes. And then after Jesus finishes uh, praying, it says that the, the, the boat was kind of a far way out and then Jesus goes and he walks on the water right in the middle of the storm. And when he gets to the boat, the disciples thought that they saw a ghost. And so they're like, Lord, if, if that's you, is that you, Jesus? He said, yes, it's me. And then Peter gets up more boldly and say, well, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. He said, well, come on. The thing that I love about that, that passage is number one, they're in the middle of a storm 
and right in the middle of the storm, Jesus walks to them in the middle of it. He already knew that they were going, going to hit a storm when he sent them on the boat. And he walks to them right in the middle. So you may be in a storm in your life. Listen, Jesus is walking to you right in the middle of the storm. But when Jesus walked to them, listen, they didn't recognize, they thought they saw a ghost. It wasn't like they saw him and say, oh, there's Jesus. They had to ask and say, Lord, is that you? He said, yeah, come on out to me. They came out based upon his voice. In the middle of your storm, listen for Jesus' voice. Don't follow anything else but his voice. You may not be able to see him, but if you listen for his voice. <laughs> that's a whole nother message. Let me go get back. John chapter 11. Wow. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now he's already at the tomb. He told him to take away the stone, and Martha says, Jesus, it, it, it stinks in there. He's been in there for four days, and you want, me to move, you want us to move away this stone? He said, listen, I already told you that you were gonna see the glory of God. Take away the stone. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said, that for, said this for the benefit of the people standing here, and I believe Jesus is saying this out loud that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That'll preach in itself. Therefore, many of the Jews, watch this part, who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Underline that. They came and seen what Jesus had done and it caused them to believe in him. And then watch this part. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Somebody say haters. In life, you've always got haters. You get a promotion? Well, I got a promotion too. Look at my new car. I had a new car two months ago. Check this house out that I got. Man, God just blessed me with this new house. I built my house like three years ago. It's always the sum of them. Those haters. Number two, what we learn from this passage here is that nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. But you see that when they seen, the Jews seen what Jesus had done, it caused them to believe in him. And what I want to tell you and encourage you, listen, never be afraid, letter A, to share your story. Some people will be blessed by hearing of and seeing the things you've endured in life. Listen, don't be embarrassed about some of the things that God has delivered you from. 
Don't be embarrassed about some of the things that you have done in your life, that you have gone through in your life because the fact is you're not still in it. You went through it. And if you hold back and not let someone know and not share your testimony, you could be preventing someone else from getting their breakthrough from something that you've already made it through yourself. They overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Don't be afraid to share your story. Matthew 5, 16, I love this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. They're gonna glorify God for what he brought you out of. Come on. Remember this. No matter who you are and no matter how dead your situation may seem, when Jesus shows up, come on. He has the ability to make the world's impossibilities a reality in your life. I know that all rhymed. I had to get to my black roots there. As black preachers, sometimes we have to make everything rhyme. I'm sorry. I can talk about myself. Somebody said, it's all right, yeah. <laughs> he has the ability to make the world's impossibilities a reality in your life. Let's go on. John chapter 12, verse 9 through 11. I love this part. This is the part that really got me where this whole message was birthed out of. That your life, it's your life, but it's for his glory. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews, verse nine, found out that Jesus was there and came. Watch this, not only because of him, but also to see who? Whom he had raised from the dead. So they came not to see Jesus, or just to see Jesus, but they came to see the works of Jesus' hand. That's why it's important for you to share your story and let people know, listen, Jesus is at Tree of Life so that when they come, they're not coming just to see Jesus, but they're coming to see you, the work of Jesus' hands. Let your story be the evangelism tool you use. Well, I don't know what to say. Just tell them what he did for you. I can't tell you anybody else's story. I can only tell you where he brought me from. I can only tell you how he delivered me. I can only tell you about the times that I was, should have been dead, but I'm here. How he called me from death to life. Jesus. Verse 10, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. That was the part that really struck me. They had already been trying to kill Jesus and now they're trying to kill Lazarus. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So why were they trying to kill Lazarus, Pastor Dave? Verse three, because your life speaks. Not verse three, number three. Your life speaks. Letter A, they wanted to kill him because of the message he preached without even saying a word. 
That scripture didn't say that Lazarus said anything. Lazarus just showed up. He wasn't going and preaching and saying, hey, look what Jesus did for me. I was dead and now I'm here. All Lazarus did was step on the scene. And when he walked up, they knew. He didn't have to say a word. People that know you, they've seen the change in your life, you don't have to say a word. You just show up. And they know that you're the work of Jesus' hand. Letter B, Lazarus was a walking billboard. And so are you. Remember that. So are you. He had a great miracle happen to him. Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus after being dead for four days. Say dead, dead. Stinking dead. (laughs) Now I've seen people you know, flatline in the hospital or something like that, and you know, in in in, in the, the hospital, the doctors and they, they bring them back. I see people with a death prognosis, and you pray, and they, you know, but somebody who's been dead for four days, their body's already decomposing, and Jesus could have went and healed him from his sickness, but the scripture said that he stayed for two more days and waited. And then he showed up after he had been dead for four days and called him back to life. Somebody say, that's a miracle. That kind of stuff doesn't happen every day. Anybody seen somebody raised from the dead after being dead for four days? After being dead for one day? I see the kids raising their hands. And so now that Lazarus was alive, he's a living testimony that Jesus was who he said that he was. And then the chief priests were trying to tell everybody, listen, that Jesus is this bad guy. Listen, go on, live your life the way that you were living it. Don't change anything. He's nobody. Don't listen to him. He has no power. Listen, actually, he's a liar, and we're going to kill him. Don't worry about anything. that you Just live the way that you're already living. But when Lazarus came on the scene, their word became much less effective. Because you're saying that this guy isn't the Messiah, but I'm seeing this man that was dead four days, and I know that he called him out of that grave. Lazarus was a walking billboard. He was, without saying anything, Lazarus was shouting that Jesus is the real deal. Jesus has all power. Jesus is God. And they couldn't escape that as long as Lazarus was alive. So they sought to kill him. Think on this. What message is your life speaking to those who see you? I know that's a tough one. What message is your life speaking of those who see you? What does it say about the one whom you proclaim that you follow? Does your life exemplify that of Jesus Christ? Is your life an example that Jesus is who he said he was or he is? Ask yourself that question. And if you be honest with yourself, 
some of us may be a little disappointed. Take it a step further and ask somebody else who knows you. I stepped out on the limb and I asked my wife. (laughs) Part of me was nervous, part of me was like, no, I'm good. (laughs) But I asked her, I said, when you see me up preaching or you see me up singing and you see me at home, do you say, that's not the same guy that I see at home? Does my life speak something different? I said, no, not that I, you know, that I'm, you know, uh, that I don't make mistakes. I'm not saying that and I'm perfect. But does my life speak that I follow Jesus? She said, yeah. I was like, whew. <laughs> She'll tell you that it's true. We had that conversation, what, last night? What does your life speak about the one that you follow? Remember that. So the chief priests tried to kill him. Listen, they hated Jesus because he stood in direct opposition to their message. And without saying a word, he was bringing many people to believe in Jesus just by his existence. That's Lazarus. Let us see. There could be a number of different avenues through which the attacks on your life come from. But remember, recognize the source is always the same. Ephesians 6 verse 12, for our struggle, or another pastor says, for we wrestle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Look to the left of you and the right of you. Your struggle, your battle is not with the person next to you. And if it's your spouse, look there again. Your battle is not with the person next to you. Because a lot of the things that we encounter in our marriage relationship is all because of us. Selfishness. That's a Married for Life seminar. Joy, go to Married for Life if you don't on Sunday mornings. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Remember this, the attacks are not coming from your enemy but from God's enemy. Because he doesn't want anyone to believe in Jesus or his power. So the enemy, as the scripture says, is going about, he's out to seek whom he may devour. Steal, kill, destroy. He may not be able to kill you physically, but he's looking to kill your reputation. He's looking to destroy your witness. Because if I can get you to make a mistake, if I can get you to mess up and do something in direct opposition of what you're proclaiming, then I got somebody else that'll say, ah, you're a hypocrite, just like the rest of those Christians. He's looking to kill your reputation, destroy your witness. what the chief priests were trying to do. That's why they were trying to kill Lazarus. He was a witness, a living witness that Jesus has all power, that Jesus is God. Don't allow the enemy to destroy your reputation. 
Don't allow the enemy to kill your witness. Am I saying that you're not gonna make mistakes? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, how can the enemy attack us? How can the enemy kill us as the worship team comes on stage? He tries to attack our marriage, our marriages, by bringing disunity, by bringing division. I don't even, disunity, is that a word? By bringing division, causing a divide. Sometimes you find that you're just arguing about some of the dumbest things. It's like, really, are we arguing about because I forgot to put the cap on the toothpaste? Really? And now our whole day is jacked up just because of some toothpaste, uh, the toothpaste cap. (laughs) He just caused a divide. So he tries to attack us in our marriages because he understands that when we're unified, we're infinitely stronger. He tries to attack our purity, getting us to fall into the sins of our flesh because if he can get you to feel defeated and ashamed, then he knows that you won't be motivated to speak about victory to anybody else. Because if I can get you to focus on the mistakes that you made, how can I talk, talk to somebody else when I made a mistake myself? Cause you to feel defeated and ashamed. Let me encourage you. Stop allowing yourself to feel defeated because of a mistake that you made. Stop allowing the enemy to make you feel defeated because of a mistake that you made. You're forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, if you've already asked the father for forgiveness, he doesn't remember it. Stop bringing it back up. Stop reminding him of it. He doesn't remember it. Well, Father, you know I messed up like two years ago and I asked you for your forgiveness. I don't know what you're talking about. I forgot about that. Well, you don't remember what? No, I forgot about that. But I cried and I asked you for days to forgive. I forgot about that. Stop bringing it back up. You're already forgiven. You're already forgiven. You're already forgiven. Come on, tell yourself, say, I'm already forgiven. Walk in victory. Walk in your forgiveness. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.